0: Let's just lift our voice tonight. Let's just shout unto God. The Bible says in the name of Jesus, that there is power in the name of Jesus, that there is authority in the name of Jesus, that you could speak to your addiction, that you could speak to your depression. Here's the question. It amazes me how many of us gave years to drugs, gave years to gangs, gave years to addiction, gave years to depression, gave years to drinking, lived on the streets for years, and all he's asking of us tonight, is to give them an hour of a shout, an hour of our praise, an hour of excitement, I need you to talk back to me tonight, see, when I think about where I would have been without the presence of God, when I begin to think about where I'd be without His grace, and without His mercy, and without His blood, thank you so much, worship team, thank you guys so much, can we give it up for them, come on, I want you just to praise Him like you've never praised Him, see, a lot of us in the church, we say, God, I want I want you to do something fresh. I want you to do something new. I want revival in my life. I want my kids saved. I want my marriage restored. I want breakthrough in my mind. I want breakthrough in my spirit. I want breakthrough in my finances. But here's the reality. We come to the house of God, and we do the same thing every week. We sit in the same chair. We give the same praise. We give the same shout. And you got to understand a principle about the kingdom of God if you want something you've never had you got to do something you've never done maybe your praise is the key to unlocking your destiny maybe your shout I'm just not used to lifting my hands you do every time there's a home run for the Giants you do every time the 49ers score a touchdown every time the Raiders get a first down don't look at me and say you don't praise because we all praise something I just made help me as much as you can I apologize i preached 20 times and my voice is gone but I've made a decision that when I come to the house of God I'm going to give him my breast shout I'm going to give him my best praise I'm not going to give the king of kings and the lord of lords a golf clap why should I praise that way I love to tell you the bible says to shout unto God with a voice of triumph the word triumph means that I've overcome Something. It doesn't just mean that I've overcome something. It means that I got in a fight with a stronghold and I won the fight. I shout because I fought drugs and I won the fight. Because I fought addiction and I won the fight. I fought, oh, help me preach, Holy Ghost. I fought suicide and I won. I fought the streets and I won. I fought divorce and I won. The Bible says that we are not just conquerors but we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus and I'm going to shout like the devil is a liar and that Hayward does not belong way up brother to drugs it does not belong to homicide it does not belong to addiction but I'm going to have to start getting more committed about the things of God than the things of this world I'm going to have to be more passionate about the kingdom of God and the house of God than I was the club, than I was the bar. It amazes me how excited we were in the club, how excited we were in the bar, how we'd stay up till four in the morning and lose our voice, shouting at people, getting in fights, and then we come to the church and we get soft. Praise God, brother. How you doing? Bless you, brother. You're out getting in bar fights. I had a guy come to me one time, tattooed top to bottom. He said, oh, you're preaching, brother. It just offends me. And why do you always got to preach on hell? And, repent? and I'm looking at this guy going, you're Mr. Tough Guy. You got in bar fights. You did drugs your whole life. And now you're going to come to the church, and you're going to let the religious church neuter you? You're going to let the church calm you down? My shout didn't get calmer when I became a Christian. My shout got wilder. I'm more committed, baby, to the things of God than the things of this world if the bar could turn up if the club could turn up why can't the church turn up it's been far too long where we've made a boring church it's been far too long where we played Christianity but I came tonight because I am desperate for revival it will not be Donald Trump and it will not be Hillary Clinton that saves America but the future of America is in the hands of the church God is looking, keep it right there, God is looking for a remnant of people that know how to praise, that know how to fight, that aren't going to sit on the sidelines and be a cheerleader that aren't going to sit on the sidelines and go through the motions but I'm going to stand up tonight and I'm going to go from glory unto glory, unto glory and I'm sorry if my praise offends you but you didn't save me, you didn't deliver me. You weren't there in the crack house. You weren't there in the whore house. You weren't there in the trap house. See, many of us got saved on the street, and we're not gonna be pansy Christians. We're not gonna be. I'm gonna preach to this side right here because y'all seem to know what I'm talking about. We're not gonna be apathetic, we're not gonna be complacent, we're not gonna sit around and patty cake each other and fellowship and have nice cute Bible studies, but we're gonna stand up and we're We're going to take this thing back for the kingdom of God. The Bible says that from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violent and violent men lay hold of it. There is only one place and one type of Christian in the kingdom of God. Not once a week, not halfway in, halfway out, not malnourished, lukewarm, McDonald's, smile all the time, hometown buffet, Burger King, have it your way, halfway in and half, when are you going to get tired of playing games with God? When are you going to get tired of being halfway in and being halfway out? When are you going to make a decision, as for me and this house, we're going to serve the Lord. If it offends you, oh well. If it makes you mad, oh well. That's why when David was dancing, because he got the presence back and David's wife was offended and David said honey it wasn't your father Saul that anointed me it wasn't your father Saul. I'm glad to have the presence of God I'm glad to have the anointing of God and David said if you think this is crazy you haven't seen anything yet because I'm going to get more undignified because my praise is going to another level because my shout is going to another level Level because my dance is going to another level because i'm not gonna stay the way i came in i'm not gonna stay in this religious christianity but i'm gonna shout unto god like he actually saved me i'm gonna shout unto god we come and say we're free prove it christians come oh i'm free brother you don't look free night. Friend, I grew up in the pews of Victory Church. My mom is Robin from the Duke of Rome. I grew up, I was at the hotel. I was at the tent. I was at the movie theater. We'd have church so long and have revival meetings. The movie would come on that was playing because we went overtime. And I'll tell you one thing that just because I grew up in church doesn't mean I grew up in Christ. Just because I showed up once a week doesn't make me a Christian. Just like going to McDonald's doesn't make you a cheeseburger. Just like like standing in a garage doesn't make you a car you are not a Christian because you come to church you are not a Christian because you come to prayer you are not a Christian because of your pastor and because of the preacher you are a Christian when you say I'm going to die to myself I'm going to lay down my life I'm going to preach the gospel I'm going to heal the sick I'm going to raise the dead I'm going to cleanse the lepers help me preach tonight and this victory outreach." church. I'm going to be a Christian. I'm not going to fake it. I'm not going to act like it. See, we get mad at the world for dressing up October 31st every single year. post oh I don't know why these people out there in the world they're so of the devil and I just that darkness out there and we're in the church playing flashlight tag with each other shining light going oh look at the way I preach and look at the way I why don't you stop witnessing to the people that are already saved in the church and why don't you let your light shine in darkness the light of Christ was not made to shine in light but the light of Christ was made to be on the corner was made to be in the crack house was made to be in the prison cell he said I've given you the light to go out of the church church is not something you go to church is who we are we are the church we are active we are mobile we are an army not a nursery we're not here to change your diaper and to give you a pacifier you gotta pick up a tool or pick up a sword and say I'm gonna go and I'm gonna get active in the things of God these demon-possessed people dress up as witches and warlocks and ghosts and movie characters. and I would never let my kids do that. Yet you dress up every single Sunday morning when you come to the house of God. See, why do they wear costumes on Halloween? Because for one day out of the year, America gets to be something they're really not. But the question isn't one day out of the year. 52 times out of the year, you get to pretend you're something you're not. You come to the house of God, and you act like you've been praying. And this is why they call me offensive. And you act like you've been in the fire. And you act like your marriage is working out. And we know how to prophesy and to declare and to decree. And we've become so fake in the church that we're better at convincing people were a Christian than actually being a Christian see when Jesus came to the earth he went into the temple where the religious people were and he called them hypocrites the word hypocrite is a Latin term and it's Hippocrates. when they had a theater or a show or a production and they couldn't afford to hire two people they would hire a hypocrite who was an actor that was one person that had two masks so the Hippocrates would come out and play one part he'd go back change his mask and play another part. And Jesus came to the church and said, you have a Christian mask and you have your worldly mask. You come to church and you act like you got it all together. But the moment you leave, you don't know how to talk to your wife. The moment you leave, you're out smoking a joint. The moment you leave, you watch the same movies. You listen to the same music. You do the same things. But God says that I'm looking for a remnant of people I'm looking for a holy generation. I'm looking for a set-apart people. See, holiness gives us authority over the demonic realm. When Jesus cast out devils, the first thing they would say is, what do you and me have in common? And the answer was this, nothing why is no demons coming out around me? Why are people not, why is the devil like me? Why is the devil not afraid of me? Why can I not cast out darkness when I'm being entertained by darkness? Why is it I'm not seeing signs, wonders, miracles? Maybe because what's inside of you is in common with what's inside of them. See, to change a culture, you don't become like the culture. You become like a greater culture. See, when a food needs salt, that's what salt's for. It brings flavor to something that's bland, to something that's dead. But how many people know my wife loves salt? I swear Salt is like cocaine to her, like a drug. I mean, my wife is salt on everything, and I'll have to taste her food, and it will be so salty that it will literally gross me out, and burn my taste buds like acid, and I'll spit her food out. Why? Because the food didn't need more salt. See, there's a church in Revelation 3 that the Bible says God will vomit out. Maybe he vomited out because there's too much salt in one place. See, the salt wasn't meant to be all in one place, but it was meant to be dispersed through your job, dispersed in your school, dispersed in this community. God is not looking for a bunch of people that could gather once a week and sing a couple songs and then live like the devil from Monday to Saturday. But God is wondering if there's anyone in this house that says I want to be a part of a move of God. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. He doesn't inhabit the gathering. It doesn't inhabit when you have a cross in front of our building. But when we begin To praise, when we begin to shout, He said, "I'm looking for those that would worship in spirit and in truth. I'm looking for those that know how to praise me, that know how to shout, that know how to sing, that would get more excited over the things of the kingdom than the things of this world. You will not shut up about your new promotion. Yet we can't get you to tell anybody about Jesus." friend if the president called you and said I want to offer you a job in the Oval Office how many people know for the next 365 days did you hear that I got hired at the White House did you hear that the president called me did you hear that I got this new thing did you hear did you hear and yet the president of planet earth the president of all of humanity the Bible calls him the king above kings and the Lord above lords the Bible says he is the alpha and not just the alpha but the omega he is the writer and the finisher he is the first and the last he is the beginning and the end and that God calls us and that God beckons us and that God empowers us and we don't share with anybody we're not telling our family we're not telling our friends you used to be radical used to be passionate what's happened to our fire what's happened to our passion why is it we rush out to watch a game But then treat church like it's a game church leg is a game of Monopoly, where you're just going to pack it all up at the su- after Sunday, and you're going to put it away and pull it out next Sunday. See, my family, we used to have a tradition, we used to play Monopoly every Sunday after church, and when we played Monopoly, listen, if someone wasn't offended and the board didn't get flopped over, by the end of the day, it wasn't a real game of Monopoly, because we play. but here's the thing about Monopoly, after you're done with it, it's not real life, the money is not real, the things you buy are not real, the houses are not real, the properties in the hotels, they're not real, it's just a game. So when you're done playing, you just pack it up, and you wait till next Sunday to unpackage it and the American church comes once a week and we play this game and we root and we shout and we dance and we do a football huddle saying we're going to go out and take the world we're going to make a play and then we break and very few people actually go do what the pastor preaches. The Bible says don't just hear the word but you got to actually do the word. Don't just listen to the preaching but live out the preaching because this is the reality why I preach this way there will be some of you in this room that lived your life in church but still go to hell. There'll be some of you in this room that know every scripture but don't live the scripture. Because if you're a kid, you you think the Bible's going to cover up your secret sin? You think because you know a lot of Scripture, because you were raised in church, because you're going through the motions that God cares? Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 9, he said, Don't just pretend to love people. Actually love people to hate what is wrong and to hold tightly to what is right. We have fallen in love with darkness. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, He sent His Son. And the Bible goes on to say, But men loved darkness more than light. The American church has fallen in love with darkness. And the book of first John says that if you claim to be in the light, if you claim to be in Christ, but live in spiritual darkness, then you are lying to yourself and the truth is not in you and you can't give out what's not in you. And because we live in spiritual darkness, what do you mean, brother? We are ignorant to the spiritual realm. You could take your seat at any moment and then stand at any moment. Praise God. I promise I'll preach a lot better if you talk back to me. We are living our lives not understanding that our wrestle is not with flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers, principalities, and wicked hosts in heavenly places. So I'm not fighting my son's drug addiction. I'm not fighting my wife. I'm not fighting my kids. I'm not fighting my boss. I'm not fighting this addiction. I'm not fighting lukewarmness. There is a spirit of addiction. There is a spirit of religion. There is a spirit of complacency there is a spirit of lukewarmness, there is a spirit of depression, there is a spirit of suicide, there is a spirit of divorce and if I keep fighting in the natural what manifests in the spirit then I'll never see victory see the reason why the church is fighting each other is because we're not fighting in the spirit and if you're not fighting in the world you can't see you'll always battle in the world you can see the problem is Colossians Ephesians 1.16 says that God created two worlds. He created the visible and he created the invisible. And the invisible realm is more real than the visible realm. But if we spend our lives talking about our mountains instead of talking to our mountains. Jesus didn't say tell everyone about the mountain you're fighting. Oh, sister, I'm just struggling. We know you're always struggling. And the reason why you're struggling is because you're obsessed with yourself not reaching people. The Bible says there's a coming a time where men will love themselves. What men? Men in the church. We come to Pastor every Pastor, I'm struggling. And in our minds, we want to just tell you again. How is it, friend, we're in service after service in the presence of God? Here's why. Because you're at church, but you're not in church. Because you're at the presence of God, but you're not in the presence of God. You look at the man that was waiting for the water to stir. And the Bible says there were thousands that were at the water waiting for an angel, waiting for a prophetic word, waiting for gold dust, waiting for a feather, waiting for a manifestation. But there was only one man there That said, I'm not going to sit around and wait. But I am desperate for God to break into my situation. I am desperate for God to do something fresh. And Jesus was willing to step over everybody else that didn't want it to find the one that did want it. You know, I found out about Jesus six years of traveling. He has no problem stepping over people that aren't hungry. He has no problem walking past your addiction to reach the guy behind you that's hungry to get delivered of his addiction. He has no problem. How many people did Jesus step over that day? How many people were not hungry for the move of God? How many people were not desperate for revival? How many people came just to play church and just to go through the motions? See, here's what many preachers and pastors think in America. They say, brother, how do you get revival? I want the river to show up in my church. Remember, the river doesn't show up first, and then the people get hungry. Jesus said if anybody is thirsty if anybody is hungry watch they may come to me and I'll give them living water and out of their bellies will flow rivers the river wasn't made to flow in us the river was made to flow out of us the river is for the drug addicts the river is for the prostitute the river is for the gang members the river is for the police officers the river is for the school teachers the river is for the business. We are so selfish in the church because we say, God, we want your river, but we don't want anybody else to have it. The gospel is for you, but it's not about you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. This gospel is not just to entertain the church, but to equip the church, to put a mandate on the church, to go and make disciples, to go and preach the gospel. So how does the river activate? what provokes the river. Because we think revival's going to come. Everyone's going to be excited. We're going to have really loud meetings, extended meetings. God's going to move. The river starts when one person gets so desperate and so hungry to say, God, I am done going through the motions. I'm done eating the stale manna of my life. I'm done eating manna that has worms in it. But I need to go from glory to glory. I need to go to another level. I need to go to a higher place. I am desperate for encounter. Is it going to offend the religious people? Yes. In fact, you're not the true move of God unless they call you an occult and they will call you an occult they'll say oh that's legalism they'll say oh signs and wonders aren't for today oh speaking in people tell all the time, speaking in tongues is of the devil it's not for the church and in my mind I'm thinking if it was of the devil you'd be speaking in tongues I've had old friends tell me, speaking in tongues, that's not of God, it's of the devil, and your uh, your Bible says if you're in sin, you're a son of the devil, and if speaking in tongues was of the devil, you'd be doing it, yet the American church has let the antichrist, remember the Bible says that there will be a spirit in the earth in the end days of the antichrist, it's a God that is anti-relationship, it's a God that's anti-ownership, a God that's anti-kingdom, and this God tells you, oh, your best life is now, and every day's a Friday, and you don't have to give up everything and there is no hell and God loves you so much he's okay with your sin he's okay with a little bit of drinking he's okay with a little bit of compromise just keep covering up your sin like when Moses was in the wilderness when Moses was in Egypt the Bible says that he saw an Egyptian kill an Israelite and what did Moses do he took matters into his own hands and the Bible says he went and killed the Egyptian he went and destroyed the Egyptian and the Bible says after he killed the man he took the dead body and he hid it in the sand. Here's the problem, Moses. If you're going to try to hide your sin, if you're going to try to hide your secrets, if you're going to try to hide the girl you talk to at work, if you're going to try to hide the websites you go on at 2 o'clock in the morning, if you're going to try to hide your drinking problem, if you're going to try to hide your prescription drugs, you probably shouldn't cover it with sand because whenever the wind blows, the sand blows away and exposes what you've hidden. That's why in the book of Acts, it says, and a mighty rushing wind, Fill the place. Oh, Isaiah, you don't have any old sin? You don't have any dead bodies? There's no skeletons in your closet? Absolutely. The only thing is, I don't cover them with sand. I cover them with blood. They're under the blood baby. And what he's forgiven me of. The Bible says that he throws your sin into the sea of forgetfulness. Oh, help me preach holy ghost. And while we were enemies to God, Christ died. David said, if I go to the heavens, you are there. If I go to the drug house, you are there. If I go to hell, you are there. He said, darkness and light are the same. In other words, you can't run from God. You can, but you can't hide because the light of Christ will find you. And I've made a decision. Instead of trying to hide that thing, I'm going to expose that thing. Because if I live my life like the devil is not real, like hell is not real, like sin is not strong, like sin does not bring death. If I live in this little daisy, rainbow, Jesus on a pony type of weak, anemic Christianity that doesn't heal the sick, that doesn't raise the dead, why would the devil get you back on crack if he could get you hooked on religion? Why would the devil get you back on heroin if he could get you gossiping about people in the church and not going to heaven? In fact, let me just preach in the spirit tonight. The Bible says that gossip is an abomination to God. And if you think that you could go to heaven with all of your gossip, with all of your division, and with all of your issues, the Bible says that if you can't forgive the person in front of you or the person sitting next to you, then how could God forgive you? See, you like when I preach about porn. You like when I preach about homosexuality. You like when I preach about abortion. Here's the reality. The person that's fornicating goes to hell, but so does the person that is gossiping. See, you might not be fornicating, but you can't stand sister so-and-so that's three rows in front of you that you make fun of her outfit every single week. You can't stand the guy behind you that shouts the way you used to shout. Do you know why the American church hates the way I preach and hates the way Victor Average praises? It's because so many of them used to be that way until they allowed the spirit of this age... Jesus is in the house in the book of Luke. A prostitute shows up in the house. And the Bible says... She washed Jesus' feet with her hair. The Bible says she greeted him with a kiss. And the Bible says she anointed him. And you know who it offended? It didn't offend the world that she had extravagant praise. It didn't offend the drug addict that she had extravagant praise. See, the world is not offended by excitement. The world is not offended by passion. It was the religious people that were sitting with Jesus that were more content with sitting with him than being on their knees in front of him. And the Bible says all of a sudden, they said, well, this must not be God because why would he let a bunch of ex-drug addicts preach the gospel. I know what it's like to be addicted. Why would he let an atheist get saved and raise him up to preach all over the country? Why would he pick a 19-year-old kid that doesn't like him, that doesn't believe in him, that wakes up in his own vomit, that's so depressed he can't get out of bed? And why would God anoint him? And why would God call him? And Jesus tells a story. He says, suppose a man lends two sums of money. He says, the first man gets 500 coins, and the second man gets 50 coins, and neither of them could repay their debt neither of them could afford the penalty for their sin what man would be more excited what man would be more grateful what man would have a bigger praise what man would have a bigger shout and here's the response of the religious people it's obvious the man who's been forgiven of more debt would have the higher praise. Would have higher. And Jesus looks at the man and goes, "Here's the deal. You're the man that's been forgiven of 50. She's the man that's been forgiven of 500. Watch this. Which means the uh, the level of your praise or the size of your praise is directly related to the size of your debt. The bigger a debt's been forgiven. See, I was addicted to all types of things. And you might be sitting there and you grew up in church. Praise God. I'm glad that you weren't out in the streets and you weren't addicted. But I remember the hell that God brought me out of. I remember what it was like under the strong hand of Pharaoh. I remember what it was like to have crusted vomit all the way down my shirt. I remember what it was like to kill myself, to have an angel at 12 years old pull me off a rope, to overdose, and have an angel show up in my hospital room. I remember what it was like to have guns pulled on us. I remember what it was like to be drugged under a tractor at 45 miles an hour for a mile down the road and have one scrape on my arm because I had parents that were pleading the blood. I had parents that said, we're not going to let the spirit of the age, the spirit of the Antichrist, the demons of this world. I don't know about you, victory, Outreach heart, but I am believing for a fresh wind to blow away every compromise. I'm believing for unusual signs and unusual wonders. I'm believing for new miracles. I'm believing for limbs to grow back. I'm believing for hair to grow back. I'm believing for cancer patients to get healed. I'm believing for hepatitis C. Help me preach tonight. I'm believing for AIDS to be healed. I'm believing for liver failure to be healed. I'm believing for every sickness and for every disease. If we have the power of God, if we have the fire of God, it's it's time to use what we have. Here's what we don't believe. We don't believe we have the same spirit. Jesus said, I'm going to send another comforter. Let me, let me tell you something, ladies. I'm going to send you a counselor so that you don't have to spend your life dealing with the same drama. Friend, listen, I'm just speaking in the spirit tonight. Five years, and you're still dealing with that demon. You got to stop and you got to cast that thing out instead of counseling it. Jesus said, talk to the mountain, and the mountain has to throw himself in the water. Why are we talking about it? I'm just so depressed, and I'm never going to get set free, and God could never use me. As long as you keep speaking death, as long as you keep letting your words dictate your destiny, and let, instead of letting your destiny dictate your words, as long as you keep letting the devil use you to speak negativity, i got to start saying, my kids will be saved. My marriage, oh, I wish somebody knew what I was preaching about. My marriage will be restored. We will reach Hayward. We will see a move of God. We will live and not die. This building is too small for what God wants to do. We will pack out shotgun at that theater. We will see gang members on opposite sides kneel next to each other at the altar. We will see the homicides go down oh there's a new sheriff and Hayward and his name is Jesus and he has the power to heal and to change and to deliver the same Holy Ghost that's why we go to Africa when we go in Africa they praise this way in the Philippines, we have an orphanage in the Philippines, and I've watched orphan children that have been sex trafficked, that have been tortured, that have been chained up, that have been left for dead. One boy was left in a well. I have watched these kids, and I've been there, and I've watched them, and I'm going to be nice as possible because I praise God I get invited back. I think I will, but I have seen some of them out praise every single person in this room. They have no clothes. They have nothing to their name, but there is something on the inside of them that is better than anything this world offers. The Bible says when you find the king. Oh, help me preach in the Holy Ghost. It's like a treasure hidden in a field that you go and sell everything. It's the pearl of great price. This is what you've been searching for. There's no high like the most high. He saves the best wine. We're not drunk as you suppose, but we're drunk on the Holy Ghost. It's only the Holy Ghost that will satisfy you. It's only the Holy Ghost that will anoint you. It's only the the Holy Ghost that will fill your void. He told the Samaritan at the well, if you only knew who I was, you'd be asking me for water because the water that I provide when you drink of me you'll never thirst again see if you do drugs and if you party and if you go to bar to bar, you'll never be satisfied, you'll get thirsty again but when you drink of the well of living water when you drink of Jesus Acts 19, Acts 19. The Bible says, and God, watch, gave Paul the power to do unusual miracles. I've read this so many times, and I say, God, what is unusual miracles? It's very simple definition. It means this better than what we're used to seeing. It, see, it, it literally means to go to another level. It means to do something fresh, to do something new. I don't know about you, and I, listen, we have a church, and I'm all for the church. I believe in the American church. Obviously, I travel. We're all over the country in the American church, but I'm not just content with just going from week to week to week and experiencing the same thing But I am asking God in this season uh, that I would begin to see unusual signs and wonders. uh, That I would begin to see unusual miracles. Uh, I'm so glad that I've seen blind eyes open. Uh, I'm so glad that I've seen deaf ears open. Uh, I'm so glad I've watched people that have holes in their tongue uh, and the hole close up. Uh, I'm so glad that I felt bones move. Uh, I'm so glad I've seen drug addicts saved by the thousands. Uh, I'm so glad I've seen a person uh, that was in a wheelchair over eight years walk around running around the place. I am grateful. But you know what? I have yet to see hair grow back of a lady in the fourth stage of cancer. I have yet to see limbs grow back. I was at the airport today, and there was a girl next to me with no arms, and we were talking. And I said, What kind of faith would it be? What kind of Acts 19? Unusual faith does it take for my shadow to fall on those arms that are amputated and watch hands grow back. Yet the Bible says that God gave Paul the power. I believe there's an outbreak coming to Victory Outreach Hayward of unusual signs and wonders that we're going to see the lame walk, that we're going to see the deaf hear, that we're going to see blind eyes open, that we're going to see the dead raised, that we're going to see the lepers cleansed, that there will be a fresh outpour and a fresh fire and a fresh moving of the Holy Ghost. And it's not going to start next week. It's not going to start in two weeks. But the Bible says that this is the right time, that today is the day of salvation. I'm not going to put it off to a later day. Does anyone in this house say, I need an unusual miracle? I need something above average. I got kids that need an unusual miracle. I got a marriage that, oh, help me preach Holy Ghost, that needs an unusual. Here's Here's the reality. There's many disciples at this time but God only gave Paul the anointing to undo unusual miracles. See, this anointing is not for the status quo Christian. This anointing is not for those that want to invite Jesus to build a treehouse in their heart and go to church once a week and then live Monday through Saturday like the devil. This anointing is not for some of you that worship your job, that spend eight hours a day serving mammon, but pray five minutes before bed. This is not for those that don't show up to their prayer meetings. This is not for those that gossip about the church. This is not for those that don't give a tithe. This is not for those that fornicate. This is not for those that are addicted to pornography. This is not for those that spend their days on the popular page, explore page of Instagram going on pages they should not be going. This is not for those that want to have unclean hands but still lift their unclean hands to God. This is not for those that want to play patty cake church. This is not for those that are still being spoon fed by a man of God. This is not for those that still need the pastor to change your diaper and to clean up your mess. This is for those that say I don't care what religious people are doing. I don't care what the culture is doing. I don't care what that team is doing. But I want to be the one that carries this fire. I want to be the one that carries this mantle. I want to be set apart. Paul says there's two types of Christians. There's wooden vessels and there's golden vessels. Every one of you in this room have a grandma who had expensive china in a cabinet somewhere. How many know what I'm talking about? I would always beg my grandma, grandma, I want to use that cool expensive china crystal plates and crystal butter things and I want to use it the cool blue designs and she'd always say no that's just for special occasions grandma can I no that's expensive it's for special occasions that silverware that dish was set apart for when there was a special moment then we could use it the bible says Paul tells the people he says there's wooden vessels that are for normal everyday church use he said but there's a special type of person see this could be every person but here's the problem Jesus said many are called but few are chosen. In other words, everybody gets a call on their phone from the king of King. Everybody gets a mandate, but how many know when you get a call, you have to make two options, actually three options. You could press the side button, praise God, if you don't have an iPhone, you need to get saved tonight. You could press the side button, and what will that do? That will silence the call so that the person calling doesn't know that you don't want to answer the phone. That's option number one. Option number two is you could just straight out do what the Hispanics do, and you could just straight decline the call and they're going to instantly know it's going to go to voicemail and sister gloria decline my call again and who does she think she is i want to talk to her about the potluck and she's supposed to be making the enchiladas and you could just press decline and you could offend her or you could accept the call see here's what christians do we don't want to decline the call and offend god so what do we do we're just going to silence the voice of god we're just going to keep pushing. Maybe in five more years I'll answer, but right now I don't want him to know that I don't want to accept the call. So we just play church, but in the meantime we're pushing off what God's telling us to give up. We're pushing off the holiness that God wants to release. When God says pray for that person, we ah, oh, I don't know God, what if they don't get healed, and what if nothing happens, and I'm just going to kind of ignore it this time, and maybe next time around, and slowly but surely, as a parent tells their kid to do something, the more their kid doesn't do it, the less the parent will tell them. Why? Because they know they tell them, the kid's not going to do it anyways. And so God will speak to you and speak to you and speak to you. And the problem isn't that God is not speaking. The problem is there's too much noise in your life. There's too much distraction in your life. I dare somebody to cancel their Netflix and to throw the TV out and say, I'm not just going to fast entertainment, but I'm going to give up entertainment because I want an unusual anointing. I want a special anointing. I want a set-apart anointing. You have to stop because the Bible says that everybody gets called. Here's the actual Greek translation. Everybody gets called, but few people accept the call. God is looking for people that would not have ability, that don't have it all together. But the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord search the earth for someone that is fully committed, for somebody that's all the way in, so that God could do what? Show himself strong on that person. So there's a question we have to ask as we close soon here in five Pentecostal minutes. When I go to work, do my coworkers say, wow, God is strong in you? Is there exploits? The Bible says in Book of Daniel that those that know their God will do great and mighty exploits, not those that know about God. See, the problem is we have a relationship with God through a preacher, Because the Bible says, and God gave Paul the power to do above average miracles. And even Paul's handkerchief, watch this, would be laid on the sick and the demon possessed. And now I begin to read this saying, what does this mean? God was saying, Isaiah, if you truly say yes to the call, if you truly say yes to me, there will be people that I heal, people that I touch, and people that I deliver that you won't even know about. Why? Because as Paul was making tents, remember he was in full-time ministry and working full-time. Let me say that one more time for some. See, you don't think you can witness to somebody until you're on staff full time at VO. You don't think you can witness to somebody until you've joined the ministry. Let me just tell you something tonight. The moment you said yes to Jesus, you join the ministry. You don't have to wait till you finish cemetery. You don't have to wait to finish Bible college. Peter had the Holy Ghost for 15 minutes. And 3,000 got saved. Paul would be making tents. Watch. And Paul would be sweating, kind of like I am tonight. Look at that. Praise God. I'm preaching good tonight. And Paul would wipe his face like this, soaking wet. And Paul would put his handkerchief down. And Paul would get back to work. And people, because they knew that Paul had such a relationship with God. Do you know why your friends around you that are demon possessed and addicted don't come to you? Because they know you don't have a real relationship with God. They didn't go to Peter. They didn't go to James. They didn't go to Matthew. Why? Because they knew Paul had something that none of the other disciples had. What was it? It was an unusual anointing. Why? Because he paid an unusual price. Because he had an unusual ac- encounter. So they would come. They would sneak. And Paul's working. And they would sneak. And they would grab it. I was at one church in Lancaster. I'll be there again Saturday. And I preached and preached and preached. And I'm telling you, we were in this huge like uh, theater. And the lights were so bright. And I lost probably about 35 pounds. And I was soaking. And I was dripping. It was disgusting. I was just a nonstop drip. A nonstop drip. The entire floor, honey, and I was so soaked, wooden floors, and I had these napkins that Nino kept giving me, and I kept using these napkins, using these napkins, using them, and throw them on the ground, and so the whole stage, after about 45 minutes to an hour, was covered in these napkins, these nasty, wet, soggy, sweat-filled, Holy Ghost-filled napkins, and at the end of the service, I was like, wow, those napkins are gone, praise God, who cleaned up all those nasty napkins, I came to realize nobody cleaned them up, I was praying for all the ushers after, and I looked down, and I saw that their pockets were bulging, I saw that there was something coming, I said, I was like, where would all those napkins go, what's in your pocket, and they all start, every single one of them, you can ask Neil. every one of them starts pulling out sweaty napkins, and I'm thinking, why would you say that? They said, because, brother, in the book of Acts chapter 19, the Bible says that Paul had handkerchiefs, and we actually believe that if we take, this is crazy, I'm telling you, but this is in the Bible, and it's time for us to go back to the word of God instead of listening to the kingdoms of this world. It's time for us to follow the cloud instead of following the cloud. It's time for us to get connected back to the book of Acts because the last thing the church is doing is acting. We're not acting out our faith. We're not demonstrating our faith. And Paul said to the church in Corinth, for the kingdom of God is not just about talk, but it's about power and it's about demonstration. If we can't demonstrate the kingdom, all we're doing is producing religion. We're producing a gospel that cannot heal the sick, that cannot break drug addiction, that cannot have a homosexual who says, i was born this way get born into a new way that cannot have the true transformation power if any man wants to be saved he must first be born again there is a supernatural encounter with the presence of the holy ghost that god wants us to have so they were taking these handkerchiefs and they were going to people and laying them and bible says people were getting healed and demons were casting out here's the problem Paul had no clue who these people that were getting healed and delivered were. He just knew that his yes to Jesus was going to go far beyond the people he knows. I had one kid who was in Santa Barbara watching a video on YouTube. He had a rare disease that doctors couldn't cure. He couldn't get out of bed. And I'll never forget, I think this was three years ago, I was preaching in San Francisco. And he walked up to me, he said, you're not going to even believe you when I tell this. He said, I wasn't able to go out, get out of bed. I had a rare spine disease. I had a rare disease down my back. No one knew what to do. I could no longer go to class. I was at UC Santa Barbara. I had to drop out of school. I've been in bed He said, and one day I was searching on YouTube and your, your video randomly popped up from you preaching in your living room. He said, and the moment you begin to preach, I'm not preaching to glorify. I'm just telling you the unusual miracles that God wants to do. He says, and I'm not lying to you. He was in San, Fr- San Francisco. He literally drove from Santa Barbara to San Francisco to tell me this. He said, and the moment I began to watch it, he said, I felt something. I don't know what it was because I wasn't a believer at the time. He said, but I felt something come from the top of my head. Oh, I remember the day where I was standing at an altar and I felt that come from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. He said and all of a sudden my back began to straighten out and for the first time in years I got out of bed. He said and from that one YouTube video until now that disease has left me. Why? Because if you say yes to Jesus there are people that you'll never even meet. There's people you'll never even see that get healed, that get to Delivered by the power of God. I want unusual signs. I want unusual miracles. I want to see a manifestation of the kingdom of God. If I could just get my brothers up here, watch what happens. The Bible says, and then there was a group of people, and here's what I'm closing on. The Bible says the seven sons of a Jewish priest named Sceva were outperforming incantations. Here's, a, here's American return. They were out casting out devils. And the Bible says they were casting out devils like this. We command you to come out in the name of Jesus on whom Paul preaches about. In other words, they were trying to go out under somebody else's prayer life. They were trying to flow under somebody else's anointing. They were trying to piggyback off of a pastor, piggyback off of a man of God. See, remember, the children of Israel got manna not because of their right relationship with God. Because remember, they were in the midst of sinning, worshiping idols, and the Bible says, yet manna still fell from heaven. So how is it people in disobedience could still be under the supernatural provision of God? Because it was not their obedience that gave them the manna. It was Moses' obedience. And as long as Moses was in the tent, meeting with God. Remember when Moses would gather in the tent and all the people would be freaked out and they would gather outside? And that's what we do. We let the pastor pray. We let the pastor get in the presence of God. And we sit outside the presence of God just spectating. But there's going to have to come a time, victory outreach, where we say, I'm not going to preach a gospel under the name of another man of God. But I have the anointing. I have the Holy Ghost. I have the power to bring this gospel. Remember the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. Y'all remember this? Jesus comes back, and the foolish virgins, what? Have no oil, no anointing, and no fire. So what do they do? They do what every person in the church that has an, no anointing does. They go to find someone that has an anointing, and they go to pray, prophesy over me, pray for me. I'm, I have no problem doing all that. The problem is just is we don't pray for ourselves, so when I pray for you, I have nothing to come in agreement with. People all the time say, pray for my son. And I ask him, how often do you pray for your son? well you know I don't really pray well then what am I going to come in agreement with because the Bible says God answers prayers based upon coming in agreement and if you're not at home praying and if you're not at home fasting and if you're not out preaching then we have nothing to help you with because our job is not to cheerlead for you our job is to coach you what's the difference in definition a cheerleader is one that comes and brings entertainment a coach is one that comes and teaches and trains and we're not come to entertain the saints we've come to equip the saints we've come to say let's put our big boy pants on and let's change this world for Jesus the foolish virgins watch go to the wise virgins both Christians virgins set apart uh, clean and here's what the wise virgins tell them I'm gonna tell you tonight and I'm not trying to be mean it's biblical go buy your own oil stop coming to people that have the oil and trying to get it because God knows us Hispanics love free And we're always trying to get a bargain. What if I do this? Could I get a buy one, get one? Listen to me, young people. This is not a buy one, get one free. Just because your parents are saved doesn't mean you're saved. You should think, well, my parents know God. It's not a buy one. This is not a half-off gospel. This is not on sale or on clearance or some counterfeit gospel. We have lowered the price and put the gospel on clearance so that more people could be saved. But the Bible says the road is narrow and few people will ever find it. And it's time to stop cheapening and saying, get your own walk. Watch what happens. Because they're living the relationship. Everyone, please stand on their feet tonight. If it's possible to dim some of the house lights, that'd be awesome. If it's not, praise God. The Bible says... That the demon, watch this, (laughs) comes out of the man and says, Peter I know, Paul I know, but who are you? Here's my question, and who are you to the devil? Does does the devil get out of bed, and you, do you get out of bed and give the devil a migraine? Does the devil say, pastor just woke up, I'm going to have to send extra forces or are you even relevant, watch, in the kingdom of darkness? Here's what the demon was telling the guy. Yeah, um, in our board meeting this morning, when we were strategizing, because according to the book of Ephesians, the devil has board meetings and strategizes against the church, and we're not strategizing. We're out fellowshipping at Starbucks. Praise God, we need a shift. And all of a sudden, the Bible says they're in this board meeting, and the demons go, your name was not mentioned in our board meeting. In other words, your Christian life is not having any impact on darkness. Why? Because you're fake. How is it that the devil knows you're not legit, yet you don't even know you're not legit? The devil was saying, you are not a legitimate Christian in our eyes. See, it's not just okay that you know God. God needs to know you. Because the Bible says many will come and say, I know you. I prophesied. I did miracles. And God's going to say, I don't know you. Although your name is Isaiah Saldivar, although you have hundreds of thousands of views and you've preached with Ryan and all the accolades we can tell about our ministry, although you've done all that, you weren't in the secret place. You didn't have a real connection. There was no real intimacy with me. And you were casting out devils and they actually left the people but you were doing under the name of another man of God because you were not willing to make everyday decisions to get into the anointing and the presence of God and to get the oil for yourself. Remember the moments Saul lost the anointing, what happened? The Bible says, and Saul grabbed onto Samuel's garment. The moment you lose the anointing, you're always going to try to grab onto somebody that has the anointing. But I'm not going to hobo and piggyback and ride off of somebody else's fire, but I'm going to say tonight for every person, for every family, that God, I am desperate for a fresh anointing. I am desperate for my own fire. I am desperate for a new Usual signs and wonders. Now, I, I think God's going to reward some of you because you just stood for over almost an hour. You just, you didn't even notice your legs were tired because you're telling your body what to do instead of letting your body tell you what to do. I don't let my flesh tell me when to stop praising. I don't let my flesh tell me, oh, you don't need that altar call. You don't need to come forward. Anytime you in your head during an altar call think that's not for me, that's the voice of the devil telling you that. Because the devil doesn't want you at the place where the fire falls. The devil doesn't want you at the place where things die. The devil doesn't want you at the place where things change. Some of you tonight need to say, I need an unusual sign and a wonder. I just, I just can't keep going on. The status quo Christianity. The Bible says the demon basically says, you're not religious, then watch, and the men got beat up, this is what your Bible says, I'm not being vulgar, and they left butt naked, that's what the Bible says, why, because it is dangerous to play games with the supernatural realm, I've been in deliverances, and the demon will straight speak out, and call a guy out, and say, you're not wearing your armor, and you've been in compromise, and I'm thinking, bro, I'd get out of the room if I were you, because it's just another minute before he starts calling out your other sin. Why? Because this whole casting out devils, healing the sick, walking in the supernatural power, it is not for the weak, anemic Christian that's halfway in and halfway out, but it's only for those that say, I'm going to work hard and be set apart for the things of this world. Here's the p- here's the point I'm making. It is dangerous to try to walk in the Spirit when you don't have a real relationship with God. Now, I read this story, and the saddest part, I think many times many of us don't realize The story is actually not about a demon. The story is actually not about the sons of Sceva. We always forget the main guy in the story, and it's the guy that has no name. It's the guy that nobody knows about. We don't know where he lives. We don't know who he is, and it's the guy that's getting delivered. The story is about a broken world that's surrounded by Christians, but because those Christians don't have a real connection with God, the world leaves with the same devils that they walked in with. If you're at your job and there's people around you that are possessed by devils after they encounter you they should walk away free the saddest part about this story is this man never got delivered this man kept his demons this man kept his anchor this man kept his addiction but I don't believe God raised up Victory Outreach since 1967 shaping the earth and shaking the globe just to sit in church but I believe there's an unusual anointing that has come into this house If you say, Isaiah, I want that anointing, Isaiah.